You are listening to The Stream UK and Alison and Partners podcast. Hi and welcome to The Stream UK and Alison and Partners podcast. My name is Alexa Hershey and I am a vice president in the consumer practice and we're very lucky today to be joined by Sophia Panich, the content director at Pop Sugar UK. We're coming to you live from my living room since we're all still working from home. Hi, thanks for having me today. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit about the consumer media landscape and what it's like to be an editor right now. This insight shared today will be incredibly helpful for senior strategists pulling together media programs and also the publicists that are currently pitching these editors. COVID-19 has changed the world as we know it and really forced companies and industries to forensically re-examine their priorities and structure, consumer media being no exception. In the current environment, print sales are down and ad revenues have plummeted, meaning that many titles have needed to resort to layoffs, including The Guardian and Vice UK, and others have needed to even move forward with pay cuts, like BuzzFeed. The importance of digital for media publishers is nothing new, but now it's become a very clear priority as it's the online outlets that are able to most quickly react to news and pivot to write the most timely stories for their readers. It's also the best avenue to most effectively reach the masses, which I think we all know now. Pop Sugar UK is an outlet that has done exceptionally well these past six months, being agile and listening closely to their readers for the types of stories they're craving and then delivering quickly. There is nothing quite like hearing from the source, so we're really excited to sit down with Sophia today to learn more. Sophia and I go way back and have worked together for many years in New York City before we moved to London, and fun fact, we're now neighbors in Islington. Before we jump into questions, Sophia, it'd be great for you to share a little bit about yourself and your background and role at Pop Sugar UK. Uh, yeah, so I have been in the beauty media space for a little over oh, probably 11, 12 years. Um, right out of college, I was an art history major, by the way, so nothing to do <laughs> with media, but um, I started working at a beauty brand, a fragrance brand in New York City, where I did everything, a little bit of everything. And from there, it became pretty apparent to me that I, I wasn't cut out for marketing and public relations and assisting administrative assisting. So, but I, I was really into beauty. And so by the luck and connections of New York city and going to NYU, I had a friend who knew some, who was working at glamour magazine, had an opening. So I became the beauty closet girl for a year <laughs> where I, I literally lived in a, in a, worked in a closet full of beauty products and I organized them and I got to learn the ins and outs of a magazine. I worked with, when Cindy Levy was there and, and the beauty director who had been in, been there for over a couple decades. So it really was a great welcome to magazines sort of role. And then from there, I joined Allure as their editorial assistant. And I was at Allure for 10 years. I was on the print side for four to five years. And then I transferred to digital around, I can't even remember now, but maybe 2013, 2014. I was actually the first person at Condé Nast to ever hold a, a digital and print title. It didn't last for long because we quickly realized that you can't do both well. So I officially transitioned over to the Allure website where I was for the last five years. And then I moved to London for personal reasons. And that's when I started at Pop Sugar UK as their content director, where I oversee the editorial strategy for the entire site. So not just the beauty vertical, but entertainment, fashion, beauty, fitness, Pop Sugar covers a lot. So my role really here is to grow the Pop Sugar UK site for the UK market because it's been 
hasn't been really dedicated to that in the past. So I love it. Beauty closet girl as a content director. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and kick off. Okay. So our first question, the media landscape has changed drastically over the course of the past few months. What would you say have been the biggest shifts and what will change both short-term and long-term? So obviously the biggest shift has been that we're working from home now. In the UK, a little different than New York and San Francisco, but some people have started going back to the office. I know people at the Sunday Times have gone back, some of the weeklies, but I do know that a lot of the digital sites are working from home and we're doing that for the remainder of the year. So that is the biggest shift. And a lack of a regular news cycle, I think, you know, we, we had become very accustomed to, you know, it's January. Okay. That, you know, new year, new you. I mean, not really, (laughs) that doesn't work anymore, but you know, February and March were award season. April was this and May was, was mother's day or, or March in the UK. I'm sorry. You know, we got very, it was very regimented. You knew when you had to cover things at a certain moment, what worked when, and none of that works anymore. So none of our old reporting and metrics can inform what we're doing now because we can't plan anything and and everything's different. So what people were searching in June and July of 2019 and 2018 may have been very similar. In 2020, uh, you know, we were we were searching where to buy reusable masks and mm-hmm. whether or not we can fly to see our relatives. So, so those I would say are the biggest shifts is, is where we're working, how we're working, and the fact that we just are unable to predict a lot of what yeah. we're covering. So that, and that's all short term too, because I think we will get back to the office. The news cycle will slowly return to normal. Movies will start coming out again. Fashion week may come back, you know, hopefully come back, you know, and so, so short term, it's really changing the type of content that we're writing. It, it's changing, you know, it's the fact we're working from home long-term. I mean, long-term, this is huge. I think long-term magazines and digital brand media brands are having to reevaluate everything. It's been a volatile landscape for the past decade and a changing mm-hmm. landscape landscape for the past decade. So this has just sped everything up. It's shown a light on everything that was needed fixing or needed addressing. And so we're evaluating, well, do we need office space all the time? Do we all need to be in the office all the time? You know, probably a lot with events too, right? Oh, events and, and, yeah. and desk sides, and which for beauty in, in the beauty world, we say desk sides is when a brand comes to us yeah. at our desks. <laughs> you know, in, in, in fashion, it's a go see it's, you go to the, the showroom, yeah, it's changing how we, you know, do we need to be in the office this much? Do we need to be traveling around this much? And I think it's showing like where, what magazines are good for and what sites are good for. We've mm-hmm. already knew that, but again, it's all just highlighting. And I think it's really hard to predict long-term, but what I can say is that everything is being reevaluated. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think the regular news cycle is something that we've been talking a lot about on the PR side, because we never know when or how to pitch anymore. So I think that actually leads nicely into the next question, which is what stories are currently breaking through and how should PR practitioners approach pitching pop sugar? Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, and I get, I, we got this question a lot at the beginning of the pandemic and when we went into lockdown and I felt bad because honestly, half the time I was like, I I don't know what to tell you because we're going day by day. 
you know, again, like I said, like digitally, we always use metrics and same with print. Like, oh, we covered this, we've covered this. It's always been our May body issue, but now it feels weird to do that. I, I just was always saying like, we're really taking it day by day, week by week, but the stories that are breaking through, especially on Pop Sugar, and I think for other sites, especially are distractions. So feel good stories, mm-hmm. stories that kind of can take people away for a bit. But on the other side, it's also the, the pieces that are informing people what's going on with the virus, how they can protect themselves, how they can prepare themselves for the coming months, how the virus affects them in their daily lives. I mean, we look at the big picture of this and we talk about it globally, but people, what people really want us to know how it's affecting them. Where can I mm-hmm. travel? Where can't I travel? We saw some crazy searches of when can I kiss my boyfriend again? Like, <laughs> like people are really just they're interested in how how yeah. their daily lives are going to go. The stories that are also breaking through are, are stories that feel respectful of the times. I mean, in addition to this virus, we're also talking about global racial justice protests and social justice protests. So everything we have to look at, every story pitch that comes through, every story idea that we come up with on our own is put through multiple lenses of... COVID, of the pandemic, and of these protests and 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 just what's happening. So are we going to, you know, we're talking a lot, we're, we're preparing, it sounds crazy, but we're preparing for Christmas and, and, and yeah. the festive season here in, in the UK right now. Slowly, we're not writing things, well, we are, but <laughs> advent calendars are coming out on the beauty space. But we're talking about, does it feel right to do a luxury beauty gifts gift mm-hmm. guide this year? Um, does that feel respectful right now? Mm-hmm. Does it feel respectful to, to cover this person that maybe has done some questionable things in the past? Maybe they haven't done questionable things in a while, but still, do we want to be giving them a platform? So um, I think everybody needs to be looking at, at what they're pitching or what they're accepting the stories and writing through that through those lenses because we're thinking about it I mean, it's, it's literally the filter that everything goes through yeah. every email, every story and every idea. Yeah. That totally makes sense. All of your answers are so perfectly leading to the next <laughs> question. <laughs> My next question for you was how is pop sugar shining light on diversity in the BLM movement and what should PR people know? Which I know you started to touch on, but I yeah. would love to know a little bit more about kind of the specific things you guys have in place. Yeah. So obviously and especially in the States, it's, it's been a thing here in, in the UK as well, but this, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's happened after the murder of George Floyd, you know, the media has not been exempt from this at all. And everyone has work to do and no one is perfect. And everybody's just trying to do their best right now. And, and what we're doing at Pop Sugar UK is making sure that we are providing a space for all different types of voices across the UK. And that is in terms of the brands that we're covering, the celebrities that we're covering, the topics that we're covering, and the writers that we're using. We are, you know, making sure that there's a balance every day and, and the, that we're looking at it and we're not just going with the news that is geared towards one demographic. Everything since the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement has really exposed what we is, you know, beauty press and fashion press have 
not been doing right and, and need to do better on. And so we're just constantly keeping, making sure that we are doing better and we're pushing ourselves to make sure that we're, we're always keeping it top of mind and that we're not shying away from uncomfortable conversations. I think that's a big thing. So what should PR people know? That they need to be keeping this at top of mind too, and they need to be working harder and working better at making their industries a more inclusive space, whether that's making sure that they have experts to pitch that are diverse, because that's something we're now, you know, we go through every story and we make sure that we're talking to people from very different backgrounds. We're thinking about it all the time and making sure that we're putting out a more inclusive product so you also have to do that to help yeah, us. Yeah, that was really, really well said. And I think it's something that we've been thinking and talking a lot about at Allison and Partners too, with trainings and education and hiring and, and making sure that we're keeping this important issue and topic top of mind too. So. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, I'm, I didn't touch on any of the, the hiring and, and the training that we are getting at Pop Sugar, and that we're owned by Group 9, that Group 9 is actively doing and putting together groups and in safe spaces where people can talk about things. Um, but content wise, I mean, it's not enough. I think what I really want to make sure that I've put out there is it's no longer enough to just write about content that's geared towards one demographic, towards white people. If you're running a digital media site in 2020 and beyond, it has to be inclusive of everyone and there's no excuse. And so that's, that is what I am constantly thinking about. Is my site, is the site that I'm running, is there something for everybody on the site? Is there something that people will come from every background to read? And yes, everybody will read the new Batman trailer, of course, <laughs> but then thinking more granularly about different artists and musicians and writers and beauty, you know, makeup artists yeah. and hairstyles. So that is like, that I think is what I was trying to get at. But No, I, and I love what you said specifically about the experts, because I think that's something that we can definitely counsel our clients on starting now, today, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Um, just making sure that we are putting forward a diverse set of folks who are speaking on behalf of our brands. So that's really, really yeah. helpful. Good to know. <laughs> My next question is, what is it like to be an editor right now? What's your daily schedule like? I know it looks a little bit different than <laughs> last year at this time. Um, it involves a lot of sweatpants and <laughs> socks and, you know, eating yogurt out of a container at my desk, at my makeshift desk. To be honest, a lot has changed, but a lot hasn't changed. You know, we're no longer going physically to events Brands aren't coming to us physically to present mm -hmm. this product, but we're doing, you know, that's, that's been replaced by Zoom events, Zoom desk sides, all of that. There are a lot less meetings, I have to say, you know, if it doesn't have to be a meeting, that was always a thing. If it doesn't have to be a meeting, it shouldn't, but now more than ever, because people's calendars have just been, or people's diaries have just been booked up with, with meetings, but I have to say with us, it, it, it did, it did get more hectic. I have to say, especially in over the past four or five months in the beginning, because the news was just changing. It felt like every few hours. So you thought you got a grasp on something and then 
Boris Johnson would make an announcement and you'd have to change everything that you just wrote and update everything you just wrote. And it, and it, and it went across the board from, from posts on beauty salons to being able to go shopping to wearing a mask in public. So it just, we, I feel like I've honestly almost never been busier but yet I'm sitting in my living room. I, I definitely think the one of the, probably the, what it's like to be an editor is connected, but really disconnected, which is, which is something I've grappled with a lot lately is like, we are so tuned in to everything that's happening. We have to be because our content has to respond to what's happening on in real life and what's being announced on TV and, and what's happening on social media. But then we're, I still feel so disconnected because I'm in my living room and I'm so much more used to being in the thick of things and constantly being out and about. And I think that's so important for editors and writers and we're really missing that right now, but we're doing our best. My screen time has gone up exponentially and that's probably from the desire to want to connect like we did pre-pandemic. So, um, but yeah, daily schedule hasn't altered much. It's just now those death sides and events have, digital or virtual. <laughs> I'm dying to know what you think about Zoom meetings and Zoom events because I've been planning a ton of them and we go back and forth if editors have Zoom fatigue. What makes you say yes to an event versus no? I'm kind of saying yes to most because I just want to feel like I, I'm knowing what's going on and I'm I'm in the loop of things. There is a Zoom fatigue. First things first, just put everybody on mute, please. Because I don't know what it is, but there's some people that just don't get it. I have heard people ordering cars. I have people heard people yelling at their kids, yelling at their significant other while on these events. And you just, you're heartbroken for like the expert. Your kind. I mean, it's, you have to laugh, but just please put everybody on mute. I won't be insulted. Um, and it might save some people from themselves. But yeah, I think it's the access to, to, that attracts me. So like Mark Jacobs has been doing a bunch of events for both his beauty line and his fragrance license. And he's there. He's on screen. I mean, none of us can ask questions. That's fine. I don't think we should, but no, no, no. But, um, no, we are asking, we're sending them over chat. Nobody's talking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cause that would be, I think it would be end up being chaotic, but that is kind of cool to have Mark Jacobs sitting there in your living room, like chatting about his makeup which is something that never even happened when he launched the line, to be honest. So I think that's really special. I think timing is everything. I think, I think Zoom can, the Zoom events can't last forever. And I actually think in some cases it's better with small groups. I think it forces people to be a little bit more interactive. Mm-hmm. These big Zoom events do tend, people tend to turn off. It's just the nature of it. You can you can kind of get lost in it. Obviously, I think some of the bigger presentations, if they're longer, are better when they're, you know, a huge group. But if it's, you know, if it's something that you really want to get your message across, the smaller, more interactive groups, I think, are so much better. So what's like dream timing? 30, 45, 30? 30. 30 to 40, depending on what the launch is. If it's something like, I don't know, I guess maybe if it's something that you did a death side for in the past, 30 minutes. If something that was a big event... 40. And if you can get the founder, if you can get the people talking, like that's really cool because then we can also use that for stories. I mean, everybody will have the same content, but part of those big events was hard to sometimes grab down the founder or whatever, but here we're getting quotes right from them that can yeah, be put in our stories. Sense. So 
but yeah, I definitely have Zoom fatigue, but it's a necessary thing. In again, like I said, I am accept- accepting most of them because it's the only way that I feel connected in a way to what's going on in the industry. Okay, so my last question for you is what are you most excited for the second half of this year? <sighs> yeah, I saw this question beforehand and, and it's it's tricky because, you know, it's it's hard to feel optimistic and, and positive right now. And I think especially after working from home since March with no end no end until at least the new year for us, um definitely feeling a bit of a slump right now. But this is a time for change. And I'm excited to see what we as Pop Sugar UK and what the media in general, women's media, lifestyle media, pop culture media, if we can improve and better ourselves after everything that's happened. Everybody, you know, we've, we've heard this multiple times that you can't go back. Well, we can't go back. And I, I actually really hate the term new normal mm-hmm. because I don't think there was nothing normal. Like we shouldn't get to another place where we're complacent, where it's normal and we feel comfortable. I think it's been shown between the pandemic and, and the protests and everything that we have so much to be better at and improve on and, and change and, and everything that we should never aim for a new normal again. We should just keep trying to get better. So I'm excited. I'm excited to implement that across all of our content whether that's entertainment or beauty or fashion and write content that people want to read. I think one of the things we didn't touch on, but that's really important is that what this has shown us, one of the big shifts we've seen in content in general is that people want meatier, better content. That's got opinion. That's got information that's good like they don't want fluff anymore people don't well I mean people do you know if they want to scroll through like puppy videos which we all need right now but um (laughs) you know people want to read things with substance more than ever and with factual information (laughs) and so I'm excited to see what we can do and what pop sugar uk and other sites can do and delivering more of that because I just think it's it's important I think we can do better and I'm also excited to just see people getting out and about a little bit more and being able to write about that <laughs> if it's safe, if it's, if it's their social editions, but, but yeah, I, I want, I'm excited to see what we can continue to do better in the second half of the year, because I think that's my takeaway after all of this. And after working in the industry for over a decade is that it just, it needs to change and it needs to do better in terms of diversity, in terms of inclusion, in terms of quality of content. And so that's what I am looking forward to. And as a director, we'll be continuing to inspire in my editors for the remainder of the year. Well, I think that that sounds amazing. And I mean, even knowing you when you first started at Pop Sugar UK and how far it's come. I mean, I'm so excited to see what you guys will do. Yeah. Um, so I am super, super excited too. I just want to say thank you because all of this insight has been just invaluable. I hope and so. I never incredible. Know. We <laughs> no. sit there in our little editorial <laughs> bubble and like it makes sense to us. The one thing that's definitely apparent is that the landscape is is definitely very quickly changing, and as PR practitioners. 
And we need to be really thoughtful and sensitive as we develop our media strategies and pitch these editors in this current environment. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you navigate the ever-changing world of consumer media, make sure to visit our website at allisonpr.co.uk. And if you like this podcast, please make sure to leave a review and subscribe to The Stream UK on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you'll tune in again soon.